đời sông núi anh em ta đáp đời sông núi quyết bảo vệ sang sang ta thể chết cho quê hương at host my radio it's on on every monday and every friday and host my radio welcome to the show thank you Welcome to this week's episode of Team Cat Home My Radio. Today, happy Monday, happy Monday, everyone. <laughs> Hope you guys are having a great day and stuff. Hopefully, you guys are doing well. Hope you guys are not getting into too much trouble. And like I said last time, um, I think like two, three weeks back or a month, one month ago, I actually said that my radio show will be back. Well, it's not gonna be. It's not gonna be on here. Well, I'm still gonna do my podcast on Team Cat on my radio, but we will be doing a. Po- we'll be starting our podcast. Well, for our season, for season one, episode season one, episode one, on the on the on my own radio show that I'm going to be doing at Richland. So, hope you guys can tune in more. We'll be talking more about politics. We'll be talking more with everybody. And let's get let's get right into it, I guess. Um COVID nineteen. Macau hosts transport. Hosts transport. Closes casinos, tell residents to stay home. They finally done it. Macau on Saturday announced a week long shutdown of its casinos and non essential businesses as the Chinese gambling hub confronted its worst COVID coronavirus outbreak yet. So they finally done it. <laughs> they finally closed it after a couple months of weeks of opening it. That's their fault, not mine. Macau will enter a static management for a week starting July 1st, and residents must stay home with rule breaker liable to be jailed for up to two years. That's kind of nuts. Top city official Andre Chong said at a press conference. Some public services and businesses such as supermarkets and pharmacies can stay open, but casinos, which is the normal times accounted for around 80% of the government's revenue, We'll, close, we'll need to close the doors. Everything else is open, except for casinos. Macau on Saturday reported 71 new cases, COVID-19 cases, bringing a total of infections to 1,375 since the latest wave began on June 18th. Low by global standards, but the, but the city follows Bangladesh's strict zero-COVID policy. Why can't, Bang, why can't, why can't it have their own, their own rules? That's, that's what something I want to know. Health officials said imposing static management coupled with intensive PCR testing in the outbreak's third week would help prevent a resurgence. Last month, Macau closed most of its business, ranging from bars to cinemas, I think we did report on that, as it adheres to China's zero COVID strategy, which seeks to stamp out the virus through lockdowns, strict border controls, and mass testing. Despite um, stringent um, health policies, the city's casinos had managed to stay open after an initial 15 days shutdown around the start of the pandemic. But last week, authorities locked down one of Macau's most famous casinos, the Grand Lisboa, and trapped more than 500 people inside after finding 13 infections linked to the ve- to the venue, which is pretty, pretty nuts. 600,000 residents of the former British, of the French, not British, former Portuguese colony, have been told to minimize 
to minimize the unnecessary activities outside the homes and have under, undergone multiple rounds of city COVID testing, citywide COVID testing. Macau hosts a casino industry larger than that of Las Vegas, accounting for more than half of the city's gross domestic product and employing nearly one-fifth of the, of the population. The only city in China where casino gambling is, permit, is permitted, Macau is seen as a vital tourism revenue wiped out by some of the world's harshest measures to tackle the virus, including tough board controls, week-long quarantines, and target lockdowns. With Chinese presentator anti presentator Xi Jinping's anti-corruption campaign has been also seeing increased scrutiny of big spending gamblers and corrupt officials who might travel to Macau to launder money. Macau residents may face further economic woes as the city's officials declare on Saturday that employers are not obligated to pay workers during the COVID-related shutdown, which I think is just a bit stupid in my opinion. It's cold, but just give them some money. Just give, just pay them, damn it. I mean, dang it, sorry. Pardon my French, dang it. So, we haven't talked about Ukraine for a while, but this one's Ukraine and Taiwan and one, and one thing. Inspired by Ukraine, civilian studies, urban warfare, and Taiwan. Dressed in military camouflage with an assault rifle at, at the ready, pro, pro yep. He appears from behind a vehicle in a parking lot outside of Taipei, scanning his surroundings and waiting for a signal to advance. Yeah, actually works in marketing, and his weapon is a replica. But he's spending the weekend attending a urban warfare workshop to prepare for what he sees as the as a real threat of Chinese invasion. The Russia-Ukraine war is a big reason why I came to the, this workshop for several years. Who calls sign doing training is prof, telling AFP, telling AFP, doing a doing a break between sessions. When Russian when Russian President Vladimir Putin ordered his troops to invade Ukraine at the end of the at the end of February, he gave shape to the darkest fear of many Taiwanese. A self-governed dem- democracy democracy lives under constant threats from authoritarian China which views the islands as part of its territories and has pledged to take it one day. But the war in Ukraine has also inspired Yi. The resilience of Ukrainian soldiers, Ukrainian forces, had given him hope that with the right tactics, Taiwan too might, ha- might have a chance to defend itself against its mightier, against its much mightier ne- neighbors. <laughs> He's not alone. The organizers of the urban combat courses said their students have nearly quadrupled since February, firearms and first aid courses have been also increased enrollment. Let's see, increased enrollment. This quiet over China's was brewing in Taiwan long before the Russian invasion. Max Chang, CEO of the company that organizes the workshop, says there has been a heightening sense of crisis amongst Taiwan, among Taiwanese people since 2020, when Chinese warplanes began making regular incursion into the island. Into the island's air defense zone, air identification zone, roughly three hundred and eighty sorties were recorded that year, a number that more than doubled in two thousand twenty-one, and is on track to do so again this year, according to the AFP database. China comprehensively outnumbers Taiwan military with over one million ground forces personnel to Taiwan's eighty-eight thousand six sixty-three hundred tanks compared to eight hundred. 
compared with Hank 800. 1600 fighter jets to 400, according to the U.S. Def- Department of Defense. But Ukraine has provided a practical, a practical blueprint of how to make how to make that disparity matter less. It, ha- it has vividly demonstrated how fighting for control of cities can be difficult and costly for attacking forces. And most of the Taiwan's 23 million people live in urban areas. As Ye and his 15 teammates run in staggered column formation across the parking lot, stooping behind dilapidated buildings and vehicles to stimulate attacks on enemy positions, they are trying to put some of the lessons learned in Ukraine devastated cities into practice. The defense is offense. Yet emphasis as instructors in, in brain and bright reflective vests stand new by taking notes. To put it bluntly, annihilate the enemy and put any st- enemy advance and stop any enemy advances. In the warehouse besides the parking lot, 34 you old roof lawn is, is learning to fire a handgun for the first time. Now who works at an emergency vehicle light emit uh, manufacturer said that most of her European clients had told her that there would not be a war in Ukraine, but it happened, she says. She's hoping that she knows how to handle a gun that might protect her and her family if there is a war, and there is war, and is planning to con- continue target practice with friends. <laughs> Prepare your umbrella before it rains, she says. We don't know when things are going to happen. In a survey conducted in May, 61.4% of respondents said they were willing to take up arms in the event of an invasion. The will of the Ukrainian people to fight against aggressors had increased the, increased the resolve of Taiwanese to safeguard our homeland. Chen Quanting, CEO of Taiwan's think tank Next Gen, Next Gen Foundation, tells AFP. Ling Pingyu, a former paratrooper who came into urban warfare class to brush up on his combat skills, concurs. Only when a country's citizens have a strong will and determination to protect their land can they convince the international community to come help them, the 38-year-old says. He believes it is a question of when, not if. They will ca- they will call to put to put their new skills into action. So an example of Hong Kong, where Beijing has moved to consolidate its grip in, in the last few years, is that simply Taiwan is next. And I don't want that to happen. I don't want it. <laughs> Thing is that I don't want it to happen. I don't want it to happen. We heard about this thing before. We heard about the protests that happened in Henan province before, in uh, Jingzhou province, in, Jing, in the city of Jingzhou. Hundreds protests against corruptions in central China. Hundreds marched Sunday in the protests against alleged corruptions by local officials in, central, in, in the central Chinese city of Jiangzhou, of Jiangzhou. Multiple participants told AFP in a rare public demonstration in a tightly controlled country. <laughs> Hit hard by the econ- by the country's economic slowdown, four banks in Henan pro in Henan province had has since has since mid April frozen all cash withdrawals, leaving thousands of small savers without funds and sparking sporadic demonstrations. Sunday saw some of the largest protests yet, with several hundred people rallying in front of a branch of the People's People's Bank of China in the in the Henan cap in the Henan capitals. Capital Zhengzhou, according to multiple witnesses who declined to be named. Oh, he's keeping them safe. Images circling on social media shows 
banner denouncing the corruption and violence of the of the Henan authorities. Protests were hit, wounded, and were bleeding from the head. Disabled people were also violently beaten. One participant told AFP, estimating the numbers of demonstrators to have been several thousands, which is crazy. Crazy that they have so much people that this is happening. It's the largest since the test Hong Kong and the Tiananmen Square massacre. <laughs> Local authorities in Hunan did not immediately comment on the protests, like if they're going to say anything at all. Some demonstrators accused officials of colluding with local banks to suppress protests. The authorities last month accused of exploring COVID, COVID health pass to quell new protests, turning protesters' passes red to effectively bar them from, from public spaces. The health, the health pass has become an ubiquitous part of life in China under the Beijing strict COVID-19 COVID zero strategy, and it's required to access the vast majority of buildings shopping centers, public places, and also certain public transport. While most accept use of the technology for the public health purposes, some have voiced concerns that it might be used for surveillance of the population, already widespread in China. Demonstrations are relatively rare in a tightly controlled China, where social stability is an official's obsessions and where the opposition is swiftly repressed. But desperate citizens do sometimes take to the street, despite risk of, a, of arrest and persecution. Analyst says that says that some local banks across China have found their already precarious financial situation as, um, exacerbated by corruption. And it's like they don't want anybody to protest or say anything otherwise. Do you think the government even cares whatsoever? Now, we talked about um, Shinzo Abe already um, last week on Friday. Hong Kong's Japan's consulate sets up condolences book for late, for late ex-Prime Minister Shinzo Abe as John Lee pays tribute. Cues form outside the Japanese consulate in Hong Kong on Monday to add, to add to a book of condolences for the late former leader Shinzo Abe who was shot last week. The condolences book will be open will be open at the consulate's central premises for two days until Tuesday, according to a statement from the mission. Some people who visit also brought white funeral flags, according to commercial radio. Japanese nationals who live in Hong Kong were reportedly amongst the mourners. One of them told local media outlets that she was shocked by the news and could not believe and, and could not believe it, as violence was not tolerated in Japan and shooting cases were rare. Some Hong Kongers also went to pay tribute to the late Japanese leader, describing Abe as a great politician. Rem, a Hong Konger who is among those pays res- paying respects to Hong Kong Free Press, that he knew about Abe work as a leader because he was interested in Japanese culture. A lot of politicians in the world cannot compare to him, he said. He added that, that he understood that Japanese people have lost in excellence and capable politicians, and that and that he hoped they know that a lot of Hong Kong people care about the incident. By afternoon, at least a dozens were queuing, were queuing to pay their respect, according to a to an Hong Kong Free Press report at the scene. The Japanese consulate was also flying its national flag at half mast. Abe was killed last Friday at a political campaign event in Nara, Japan. He was sh- in Nara, Japan. 
He was shot while giving a speech on stage. The 67-year-old would rush to hospital but die an hour late. Very sad, of course. Japanese media identified 41-year-old Tetsuya Yamagami as a suspect, citing police sources. Other outlets report that he was an ex-member of the Japanese Navy, of Japan's Navy, the Maritime Self-Defense Forces. Local media describes his weapon as a handmade gun, while his broadcaster NHK said he told police after his arrest he targeted Abe with intention to killing him. Chinese leader Xi Jinping and Hong Kong chief executive John Lee offered their condolences on Saturday, a day after Abe's passway. Xi pointed point out that former Prime Minister Shinzo Abe made efforts to improve China's Japan's relations when he was in office and contributed positively to the endeavor. Endeavor. She noted that he has reached reached important common understanding with Abe on building a China-Japan relationship that meets the needs of a new era. A statement by the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. Lee's statement, meanwhile, said Hong Kong and Japan maintained closely cooperating relations when Abe was the prime minister, and that two places made positive progress in various areas, including economics and trade affairs, tourism, and cultural exchanges. At least he gave out some positivity about Japan, right? I mean, after after supporting the, you know, the, after supporting us for a while, what do you expect me to say? And have you ever think about staying in Hong Kong for, I don't know, for a while, whatever? Do you want to stay in Hong Kong? I don't know. Hong Kong returnees who wants to, the Hong Kong retiree, returnees who wants to leave again. In a rare when education upsets Asian mother to let her child drop out of classes in the middle of the school year, but in April, Pauline Choi took her 14-year-old daughter out to secondary school and let her stay home. <laughs> the teenager is enjoying an extra-long summer holiday before leaving Hong Kong to study in the UK in September. She'll be joining her elder brother who'll be starting at a university in England this year. The children have told her mother they don't want to return to Hong Kong. That factor further hardened Choi's own determination to leave the city for the second time. Choi, who is in her mid fifties, who is in her fifties, emigrated to Australia in nineteen eighty and obtained a nationalization there. I went to Australia to study in nineteen eighty six. My family and my family applied to immigrate around the same time. The application was approved on June third, nineteen eighty eighty nine. The date was quite symbolic. June third was the e- was the eve of the nineteen eighty nine Tiananmen crackdown in Beijing, when hundreds, perhaps thousands, of protesters died as the People's Liberation Army cracked down a month-long student-led movement. Hong Kong, for years, organized a candlelight vigils on June fourth to commemorate the victims, but police banned the annual event in two thousand twenty and two thousand twenty one, citing COVID nineteen pandemic. Which is ridiculous. The rally has, was not held this year as the group behind the, the vigils disbanded and its leaders wore jail. <laughs> when the blade crackdown occurred, Cho was about three years into an accounting degree in Australia It was not very politically active. I did join some rallies, marching from town hall to the Chinese embassy after the June 4th incident, but the information was not widely available there. We did not know that much. The 1989 crackdown and impeding handover of from Britain to Hong, to China 
1997 prompted a wave of immigration from Hong Kong. Pochoy came back in January 1991 after graduating securing Australian citizenship. I did not feel the threat at that time, said Choi. Recalling the 1989 in Beijing seems far away. There was still reform and opening up of China. The economy is growing. The nation seems to be doing to be more open-minded. The part was going the, the part was going on in Hong Kong, money could be easily made. Job hunting and earning a living were her main concerns at that time. She was not alone. Many returners, a term coined to describe returning returning immigrants, came back to Hong Kong to share it in prosperity. Wong, who wished to be identified by his surname, emigrated to to Canada with his wife, with his wife family in 1993. Departure from Kai Tak Airport was not particularly sad because I knew I would come back, said Wong, who's now 56 years old. Wong said his in-laws' decision to leave Hong Kong was not politically motivated, but he was he himself was planning ahead. And for my future children, having a foreign passport would be easier for them. They could have an option to come back or not, he said. Wong, a University of Hong Kong graduate, said he had always been interested in studying Chinese history and literature. He even produced he even produced a a varsity drama about the Cultural Revolution, the decade-long hiatus between 1966 and 1976, aimed at purging all forms of traditional culture and foreign influences. Most of his studies enlightened him not only about the culture, but also about the, communist, the Chinese Communist Party. Once you understand what the Chinese Communist Party is, how they think, you realize the severity of the problem of living under its rule, he said. But he and his wife still come back to Hong Kong months before the 1997 handover, he even started his own accounting firm later on. <laughs> Hong Kong was developing quite well at the time. A long time for reform and opening up, there would be more opportunities than Hong Kong back then, Wong said. He described the time of the going age to earn money. In recent years, however, he realized the environment, the environment had altered for their children. Choi's decision to withdraw her secondary three, her second, her secondary three daughters from from school came after the Hong Kong education system started to change. She once asked me, Mom, how come how come I was taught there were there were was separation of powers in primary six, but was later told Hong Kong is a unique place without separation of powers when I was in secondary two. Choi said her daughter had been taking part in a peaceful rally such as the annual July first Hanover March. Teenager also joined Choi at some of the anti extradition demonstrations that start in 2019. <laughs> Obviously, she was not she was not the one of the radical ones, but her classmates would call her cockroach, knowing she was yellow. The color yellow and blue came to represent the pro-democracy and pro-establishment camps, respectively, while anti-government protesters were labeled cockroaches by the rival camps. The culture of snitching at schools also made Choi uncomfortable. She learned that one of her daughter's schoolmates ratted her te- ratted a teacher's out after a flag of Hong Kong and Taiwan was shown alongside the those nations. The classmate said she she had filed a report to, to the office of the, Na- of the Safeguard National Security against the teachers and bragged about bragged about a circula- by circulating the email. Wearing an Apple Watch with a yellow strap, Wang joked about how yellow he's, he is, saying. Even his surname translated into yellow in Chinese. Speaking of his pro-democracy stance, Wong has once been a great 
China plastic, a phrase used to describe people who believe in China's reform and progress towards becoming more democratic. That part of me no longer exists, Wong said. The vibe during the first 10 odd year, years after the handover were different. Even on the mainland, people could freely talk about the government. There were free discussions. A lot of things could be could be still be said on mainland soil until Xi Jinping took the helm. Thoughts started to be tightly constrained, he added. The accountant said he, he had expected Hong Kong's system to endure until the year you closed to 2047, after China promised that the city's way of life would remain unchanged for 50 years. But changes were taking place slowly and, sub- and subtly to better assimilate Hong Kong into China. One of the attempts was strongly resisted by Hong Kongers was in 2003, when the government tried to introduce its own national security law, as decreed by Article 23 of the Basic Law. Half a million people took to the streets, causing the authorities to bow to pressure and eventually axe the bill. Hong Kongers have tried to use mass movement, and we so-called won when 500,000 people marched to protest against Article 23, precisely because we have won at that time. With that experience, the people wished to bring changes through mass movements. But unfortunately, those in power since 1989, they have consistently plan to control people and their thoughts, Wong said. Choi said her, polit- her political awakening began in 2012 when the government tried to make national education a, comp- a compulsory subject for students. Protesters slammed the curriculum who sang the praises of China and omitted historical events such as the, chi- such as the Tiananmen crackdown as brainwashing. Choi said that as a mother, she felt obligated to speak out. If I was a father, I will not force her to deal with the, to endure these kind of mess. The father, the mother of two, also took part in the 2014 Umbrella Movement when pro-democracy protesters blocked some major thoroughfares for 79 days. However, the anti-extradition protests in 2019 were were the main trigger for Choi to revisit the ideas of moving back to Australia. In 2012. You realize they want to change the education. As for 2014, it sort of ended peacefully. It made you feel like you could not succeed in fighting for what was promised in the basic law, when even when you do it peacefully. But there is no visible sweeping changes in the system to the system in 2014. Choi said, "In 2022, there's nothing you can do. You need to leave your hometown to voice your opinions." I think that is quite difficult. Some things that you were familiar with change, Choi said tearfully. Someone tried to forcefully erase your understanding and memories. You you were telling me Hong Kong was never was never a colony. So what was the Queen's icon? The stamps with the Queen's head that I saw in the past, she said. <laughs> in June, it was revealed that textbook for new high school subjects citizens and social development denied Hong Kong status as a former British colony. Choi pessimistic about the future. By 2025, she expected more large-scale digital surveillance by authority, with civil groups no longer daring to march or make demands. Wong felt the way, the, the same way. He, origi- he originally planned to move back to Canada upon retirement, but considered leaving in two years, in two years' time, if the crackdown intensified. Tens of thousands have already made the decision, according to the Census and Statistics Department. Hong Kong recorded a net outflow of 
252,100 uh, people between the end of 2019 and the end of 2021. The peak was at the end of 2020 with 96,400 people leaving the city. The government has played down the outflow. It has said different factors may affect the net outflow figure, such as such as people chose to live elsewhere temporary or were unable to return to return to Hong Kong during the COVID pandemic. Now that Choi has made her plans for her children to stay abroad, she said that once her her elderly parents pass away of old age, she can also leave Hong Kong without qualms. But it's hard to but it's still a hard decision to make. I always say I always say home is wherever I feel safe. Of course, it's hard to it's hard to go. It's bitter feeling. It's a bitter feeling. We have to put so much time to help build Hong Kong, but now we are being uprooted. My career, my family, my friends. She said. Choi said it was sad that so many Hong Kongers have chosen to leave their hometown, but she believed they would strive to preserve Hong Kong's story for future generations. Some things are impossible to forget. I believe Hong Kongers will not forget. That's a pretty strong. That's a pretty, pretty strong quote right there. And I guess three more news before we we end it here. Wow, we're doing pretty well. Hong Kong's top court allows government to challenge photographers overturn illegal assembly conviction. Hong Kong's top court has allowed the government to challenge a lower court decision to overturn the convictions of a photographer who originally who was originally jailed for three months in connection with an illegal assembly in March 2020. The Court of Final Appeal on Monday granted a leave to appeal to the to the Department of Justice, which argued that a 37-year-old Choi Kinye said should, should have been found guilty and should remain convicted for taking part in an unlawful assembly on March 8, 2020. On, the, on that day, some people gathered to pay tribute to a university student Alex Chowchit Law, who died after after a fall near a protest site in November 2019, Choi said to have allowed have to have followed three three then district counselors and a counselor assistant filming them pursuing a a plane police officers and Diplomega Mall. The prosecution described the defense speech and behavior toward the police as threatening, insulting, and provocative. Magistrate Don So. Convicted Choi and sentenced him to three months in prison last September, but the conviction was reversed by the High Court this March. At at the hearing, Judge Albert Wong said Choi allowed himself to be in a quite suspicious situation, and his intent to participate in an illicit, illicit gathering was a reasonable inter- inference, backed by, backed by evidence. But the evidence was not sufficient to show such inference was the only possible conclusion Wong ruled. And that the evidence did not meet the very high standard of proof required in a criminal conviction. Representing the Department of Justice on Monday, Acting, Acting Assistant Director of Public Prosecution Special Duties, Ivan Chung, argued that Choi took part in unlawful assembly as a constituent or primary offender. Turns out this, is, this was based on a video evidence and the definition set out in the top court ruling last November, when it outlined that constitute constitute a participation in a, in a law, unlawful assembly or riot. Last year, the decision upheld, upheld a commission of a pro-democracy activist, Law King Mang, 
who was jailed for seven years for rioting during a 2016 Mongkok unrest. The Department of Justice representative said the hearing said the rehearing judge departed from fi- from finding from the original trial in which the magistrate identified Choi as a primary as a primary offender. Chun said that while the judge acknowledged such a basis such a basis for conviction, he analyzed Choi's participatory intent by evaluating whether he had facilitated or encouraged the behavior of other defendants in the case. This approach involved the, an error of law, Chung told a three-judge panel featuring, featuring permanent judge Johnson Lamb, permanent judge Joseph Falk, and non-permanent judge Frank Stock. Chung's representative and barrister Brian Choi on the other hand, back Wong ruling and said the judge are considering all matters as a whole. He also defended his client, saying that his conduct was different from the other defendants. Although he did not expressly say so, he clearly had in mind the basis of conviction adopted by the magistrate, Tway said. After a quick deliberation of less than 10 minutes, the appeal committee allowed, allowed the Department of Justice to officially challenge the overturned conviction, saying the government department could reasonably argue that the high court misapplied, high court judge misapplied that logging month's judgment. The top court will officially hear the appeal on November 29th. The, the judge imposed a cash bail of $10,000 on Choi in order him to surrender all travel documents. He must not leave Hong Kong during this period. If he has family to meet, he's not allowed to leave then? I want to know about that. Does that affect anything? Hong Kong courts rejects appeals by dual convicted over the 2019 unlawful assembly. A Hong Kong court has shot down an appeal from two people convicted of unlawful assembly linked to the 2019 to protest in 2019. All Chun Wai and Chang Ho Yi appealed in the court in the High Court on Monday, more in the Monday morning to appeal the convictions over the rule in the tw- in the protest in Wang Dai Sing in August 20 in August 24, 2019. The pair, both 21 at the time of the offense, were found guilty last year by Judge Minnie Watts on charges of unlawful assembly. All who was found to have drug abuse problems were sentenced to rehabilitation at the Drug Addiction Treatment Center. Chen was handed five months in jail. Both have already completed their sentence, the witness report. Judge Alex Lee upheld the original the original convictions, ruling that they considering the gear they had and the location, they were came prepared to take part in an unlawful assembly. Hong Kong saw a large scale protest starting in, in the summer twenty nineteen over a controversial bill that would allow transfer of fugitives to mainland China, where the court system is criticized as opaque. They have a ninety nine percent conviction rate. We expect demonstration morphed into a wire display of dissent against the Beijing against the Beijing and Hong Kong government. Explaining his justification for supporting the conviction, Judge Alex, Alex Lee said he did not accept the argument that Owen and Chan were only passing by the scene that day, given the gear and what they were wearing. They had dark colored mask, face mask, first kit, first aid kit, sailing solutions, protective goggles, and other items the court heard. Lee said one of them in particular was well equipped with gear. The appellants, meanwhile, argued that the original unlawful assembly took place opposite the Trop- uh, Tropicana Garden, a residential estate on Lungcheng Road, 
However, the two were arrested some distance away outside exit E of Wong Tai Sing's MTR station. The appellants also said the judge did, should not deduce the two, what the two, what the two were doing in the scene based on what they were what they were wearing and the gear they had in the media report. In response, Lee asked if they were wearing a, wearing wearing were similar to the other protesters. Why can that be part part of the evidence? Around ten thousand two hundred fifty people arrested. Arrests have been made in connection with the twenty nineteen unrest. Demonstrations eased in the early twenty twenty due to COVID nineteen outbreak. Beijing's national security law, which activists say has been used to crack used by police to crack down on pro democracy movement. Stories, however, maintain that the legislation has restored stability to to society. Like if that if people like us is gonna believe it, of course. You think we're gonna believe it? No, exactly. We don't believe it because it's not fair. We'll be right back on the second half. And we'll back to the second we'll come back to the second half. So Olympic protest case. Hong Kong court urges to consider sedition law effect on free speech. A Hong Kong court have been urged to consider whether the sedition law imposes disproportional restrictions on free speech. Appeal at the West Kowloon Magistrate Court on Monday in front of, ju- of, P- of Principal Magistrate Peel Law, one of the state's handpicked national security judges, on Monday. The activist was arrested under national security poli- by the National Security Police on February 4th, hours before the planned protests against the Winter Olympics. Initially arrested under the Beijing's imposed national security law, Cole, who was 75 at the time of the arrest, who was later charged under the colonial era legislation and accused of attempting to do or making any preparation to do an act or acts with seditious intentions. Court's representative, Barrister Chris M, argued that the sedition law, which dates back to 1938, was last amended, was last amended in the 1970s and was not compatible with the sage basic law and Hong Kong's Bill of Rights Ordinance. The barrister said that under the Bill of Rights Ordinance, a balance had been struck between protecting society, society's greatest interests, and the freedom of speech. And argued that, as, word, as wording of this colonial legislation stipulates, that an offense could be committed without elements of violence as the prosecution threshold was low. To ensure about the basic rights of Hong Kong citizens were not reasonably restricted, and said that the court should consider the systematic proportionality of the legislation and take into account whether there were there were any calls to or uses of violence of violence involved, neither of which exists in Cole's cases. The barrister also questioned why Cole has been has been arrested this year over the planned protest using a prop coffin. The activists have been used similar protest method over the past three decades, and said that while cold method has been has been has, might have been offensive, the barrister argued that the activists only want to make a point out the mistakes of the administration and the central government will hope that they would change, not in a crazy way, but in a peaceful manner. Peaceful manner. The defense also said that the persecution did not have a concrete evidence to prove that Cole, a cancer sufferer encourage Hong Kong citizens to act in an unlawful manner. And also asked the court to con- to consider the jo- Johannesburg the Johannesburg principles on national security. 
freedom of expression and access to information when dealing with the case. The barrister argued that while the principle were not binding to Hong Kong, it could be used as a binding principle in the case. According to persecution cases, Cole planned to use a conference conference in the in the protest with the slogan including "Beat the Communist Party" and Part One Party Rule and Democracy and Human Rights above Winter Olympics. Following the submission, the magistrate asked the prosecution to clarify how some slogans were liable to excite Hong Kong's citizens to attempt to procure the altercations otherwise than by lawful means of any other matters in Hong Kong as by law, by law established. The persecution led by Acting Deputy Director of Public Prosecution's Special Duties, Anthony Chow, said in the response that the court had to look into the case as a whole, instead of trying to match each of the slogans to its seditious intention. Chow said that Cole planned to walk to the Chinese liaison office on a significant date, which was opening day of the, of the Winter Olympics. The prosecution said that Cole intended to excite citizens to disobey the basic law by overturning the rule of the Communist Party, which is which was a constitutional foundation established in the basic law and constitution. The prosecutors also cited a previous court judgment arguing that freedom arguing that freedom of speech was not absolute. The court session on Monday lasted for around two and a half hours. Law adjourned the case and said he would hand down the verdict on Tuesday morning. The International Olympic Committee has not responded to Hong Kong's inquiries about the case. And to the correction, owing to an editing error, a previous version of this article incorrectly stated that Cole is a member of the League of Social Democrats. He's actually not. He's He usually joined with the League of Social Democrats to protest. And this is what happens every single time when we try to protest and we end up getting suppressed every single darn time. Why? Because they want to make sure that they're not scared of anything. We expect our government. They, they act like they don't care. They don't care anything. And thank you for tuning in, guys. If you guys are here enjoying this podcast, make sure you tune in every Monday and Friday for our regular podcast. This is Team Can't Home My Radio signing out. <laughs> My radio. It's on on every Monday and every Friday. And host my radio. Welcome to the show. Thank you.